Hi, this is Misty from Journey Life Center. I wanted to take a moment and thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We have Kyle Phillippe, director of Far Flung Tin Can with us this morning. He is sharing about his organization and how they do missions differently. If you would like to learn more about Far Flung or support their ministry, visit farflungtincan.com. You will also hear him talking about children's programming that they have on YouTube. You can go to YouTube and simply look up Adventures with Far Flung. Thank you so much for listening. Have a blessed day. I hope that this morning encouraged to go, encouraged to pray. Not all of you are going to go. Hey, I've been doing this for 11 years. If you haven't gone now, some of you aren't going. That's fine. That's fine. But some of you can give and all of you can pray, right? That's the breakdown. Some will go. Some will give. All of us pray. And there's not a a sliding scale here of importance because the places we go, we need prayer. Some of you have partnered with us from the very, very beginning. And um, we were still figuring out what we were doing. And even today, every time we finally get a handle on what we're doing, God's like, okay, go to this place. And we're like, okay, this is pretty much like going to Mars. I don't know what to do. This Every time we get comfortable, uh, then the Lord, you know, rocks us. But we've had a crazy year. I don't know about y'all, this thing called COVID. But what I found out is that missions does not stop during pandemics. Uh, organizations may stop, but the call for missions is very heavy. It's heavier now than it was before COVID because the effects of COVID have amplified the need. And so sometimes we can travel, sometimes we can't, but that doesn't mean that we take a year off. So 2020 looked very different for us. It got weird, because uh, I'm a creative, and if I can't tell stories from the field and I'm cooped up in an office, I'll come up with some weird ideas, and we're gonna share some of them today. But I think that they were God-inspired, and just, if I can't travel to another country, I'm gonna do something, I can assure you that. We're going to get to work. So I didn't have a year off. I think we worked harder last year than we have any other year, just traveled less. I wanted to share some of the things that we've been doing. And, um, you know, one of the guys in our organization, uh, he likes to say that we're COVID-proof. Our organization, because we, we've been meeting with a lot of other organizations and partnering and churches and stuff like that. And, hey, do you have this? And they're like, well, we just we didn't do anything last year, you know, COVID. We didn't do anything. We're like, they're like, well, what did you guys do? I was like, well, We've been working. (laughs) You know, we did travel to Ecuador, but the rest of the year, I mean, we've been, how do we creatively change the world and not go anywhere? Which actually was pretty awesome because I got to be put in the shoes of the people that, you know, we go and speak in churches and and people that can't travel. You know, it's like, how do I change the world and not travel is a question we get a lot of time. I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm going. But now I'm like, okay, well, this is what I did. I couldn't travel. So this is what we did. And so I talked about the, the floating islands. And these people, they don't have a government-issued ID. They've been living there for 3,500 years on the island. And so when COVID hit, they relied on fish, and there's, like, no fish. The last couple of years, they didn't really have an issue catching fish. And then the other, the big thing that they make, uh, they get food from is from trade. And when your government shuts down, there's no trade. So you're floating on an island, starving. So imagine you're in a pandemic. Everybody can imagine that, right? Imagine you, you can't work. Some of us can imagine that. And you're floating on an island, starving. And so I got this phone call in May 
from our contact on the ground, they said the people on the floating island, they're just starving. The government can't help them. They don't have government ID. They can't go anywhere. They're starving. There's several, there's like um, three, I don't know, I can't remember how many islands there are, but there's 3,500 of them, 3,500 people living on these islands. And so he's like, can you send food? I was like, yeah, we'll send food. So we fed 35 families. They drove up on a boat, tossed the food over, and we ministered the gospel. And then I get another call from Ecuador. The feeding ministry we have there in the inner city, dangerous town, right? 80% of all drugs in Ecuador come out of this neighborhood. So when you, when you have COVID there and you lock down there and no, there's no income, you have a really, really dangerous place and now no income. What, what do you think is going to happen? So we have all these situations happening where uh, people can't pay their rent and they're kicked out of their homes. 13 people had to go live up on the countryside under a tarp. So we built them a house. And uh, we have all these kids that can't eat. Anymore. So they're like, Can we, we want to go give food door to door, groceries for a month. Can you give it? So I'm like, yes. I keep telling them yes. I'm one of those people that I'll say yes and hang up the phone. And I'll look at Mary and I'll go, okay, we got to go find <laughs> some money. If I feel like we're supposed to do it, it's a yes. And then I'll have to figure out the details and make some phone calls. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> we need $1,000. Um, and so that's one of those things where we're like, yes, we're going to feed them. And then the same thing in Africa, feeding ministry, shut down. How do we feed these people in Africa? So we spent our summer feeding people from home. And so my idea was, you know what? And I, I, I'm going to be honest, I pitched this to some far-flung members, and they thought I was nuts. I said, how about this? Let's start a fake restaurant. For the floating islands, let's create a restaurant that sells milkshakes and call it Island Floats. And they're like, okay. And I'm calling our graphic designer. He's like, okay. Yeah, I need a logo that looks like a milkshake, but it's an island. And then we created a website, islandfloats.co. You can look it up right now. And it has all the information. Then we started uh, Instagram and Facebook page, and we started doing reviews. I asked everybody they know. So I'm telling you all here, next time you drink milkshake, take a picture, tag Island Float, say it's the best milkshake you've ever had. People are like, what are these milkshakes? And it is 24-7 delivery? What? So you, everybody starts getting so interested. Everybody starts getting FOMO, and it means fear of missing out. So FOMO is what I use to raise money for missions. So we started this restaurant, start doing reviews, 24-7 delivery. Everybody starts going, I want, I want a delivered milkshake. You go to the website, it is 24-7 delivery, but it's not to you. It's to the people of the floating islands. And it shows the whole menu. You can go on there and it says, you know, three pounds of rice, four pounds of noodles, two liters of oil. There's this whole list of groceries that we send and it'll feed a family for a month. And it's for $20. And so we put it out there. And then I was like, let's keep going. Atacucho, Ecuador. Atacucho cookies. Best cookie you've had in your life. Gumbani, uh, Africa is the name of the village. You can go to gumbanigrillcheese.co. Best grilled cheese you've had in Africa. In six weeks, we raised $22,000 from people missing out on their milkshakes, right? Be creative. You can be creative. If you can't travel and you are a creative person, figure out a way that you can raise money for missions. That was just a way. I couldn't travel. I thought this would be. And what was the interesting thing was most of that giving were first-time givers. And so those were people that <laughs> really wanted the restaurant. They got to the website. They're like, all right, you got me. Yeah, I'll give 20 bucks. That's how we spent our summer, and we were able to go to Ecuador in December and go to these places. We went up to on the mountaintop to see the house that we built, and 
I knew that we had been feeding people for months, helping Pandavita do that, but I didn't realize they were traveling an hour up on mountains and doing it. I thought it was just in the ghetto area that we were. So when I get up there to see the house, I'm dumbfounded. When I ask them a question, I set them up, and I didn't know I knew the answer. So We traveled to this farm town on a mountain. Um, a couple times we thought the bus was going to get stuck, and we traveled there because there was a few kids and their family that in May they were kicked out of their home because during the pandemic they couldn't work anymore, they couldn't afford rent, so they had to move out of Atacucho. Their grandmother had a piece of land up on this farm. They were staying there under a tarp, 13 of them were for living under a tarp. And they had reached out to Lolly, said, is there anything they can do? And Lolly reached out to us, said, can you provide a shipping container for these people to live in. And a shipping container just did not sound like a great idea, but we said, yeah, sure, we can do that. And they started to work on it. How can we get a shipping container up this building, this mountain? And it just was not gonna work out. It just didn't seem safe, and it just was not a good idea. So then we partnered with Compassion International half and half with them and we our two organizations came together and built a home for this family and it's it wasn't an extraordinary home by any means concrete floors and walls but the kid was just smiling at all the pictures saying i've got my dream house because he had his own room so we wanted to come see the home and meet the kids and so we went all the way up the mountain and they did everything they could to this home to make it unique I've never seen so many uses for tires. The front steps were tires, the planters were tires, the swing set was tires. They were so creative and innovative in this home process to make it feel like home. Not just a shelter, not just a, a place, a house, but a home. I knew we were providing the meals, but I didn't think that um, that they were going to deliver food outside of Atacucho because that's a lot of traveling. And, the volunteers don't have cars, they have to travel by tra taxi or bus, so I was asking the dad, I said, so wh what do you do for a living? He's like, well, we haven't worked since the pandemic. I haven't worked in nine months. I said, I just thought, how in the world, how, how, how in the world can you live that long with all their little kids? And I said, how do you eat? Not knowing the answer. And he looked at me and he pointed at me. He said, from the, from the meals that you have provided. And it just, I just kind of spiraled in my mind. I had no clue, I had no clue that this organization, we've been feeding a family for nine months. It's literally the only thing that, can, that they can eat. The only way that they can eat was through this care package that we've been sending and they've been surviving on that for nine months. I had no clue that I was talking to one of those families and it just hit me so hard. And Last year we, we didn't travel in the summer but we still built a church in Thailand deep in the jungle. Our partnered ministry there we built their 200th church and you know we typically when we go and dedicate these churches we're in the back of a truck some of you in here have done this. You've been on this trip. We're in the back of a truck for hours going to the jungle. You're like, there's nothing out here. All of a sudden, you go up a hill, there's a church and a community that's been meeting without it. And so we were so honored to be able to be the 200th build for them. 
and um, they've already dedicated. They're using it, but we're going to go there at some point and, and see it for ourselves and get footage. And we're expanding our church in Ecuador. When we were there a year ago, they're like, hey, we've outgrown it. So we made plans to expand it, and we already have the money for it, and we're getting ready to start that process now. Seems weird that in the middle of a pandemic, and they're not in the building, that we're expanding it. Um, but they are they have more people watching on Zoom than they were even having in person before. And so it's actually the perfect time because we're going to put a big hole in the wall and we're going to build a church bigger and we don't have to cancel service. So we'll be meeting on Zoom. And then when we go in July and that there's room on that trip, if you like to go, they're going to come back to a new church building, a bigger church building. And so we're excited about that. So if you want to go on a trip, our next trip is in end of May, going to Africa, Mozambique, Africa. It's a crazy trip, feeding ministry, and um, we do water baptisms in the ocean at sunrise. They do uh, all-night prayer vigil. Any of, any of you remember those? Any of, any of our seniors in the room, you remember all-night prayer vigil? Uh, we, don't, we, we, don't talk, we don't do that much anymore, but uh, they do it in Africa. Pray all night. And then the new converts, so the new converts are there doing it too. So you just got saved, and now you're praying all night. Then they load up on a bus, go to the ocean at sunrise, and, and get baptized. And it's one of the most beautiful uh, ceremonies, if you will, that you'll ever be a part of uh, services, uh, seeing them pray all night, new converts, and then as the sun's coming up, uh, and we sing that song, Better Than the Sunrise, and it's just like, ah, it's great. Um, so if you want to be a part of that trip, there is some room on that trip. Come to the Ecuador trip and, and feed kids and have services, and it's just an awesome adventure as well. Um, I just got back from the Arctic on Monday. I am still thawing out. Um, it wasn't the coldest we've been there. It was negative 25, and with the real feel, they, they factor in wind chill and two other things. It was negative 40 almost every day. Last year we went, it was negative 50, and the windshield was negative 70. But I was outside a lot with puppets this time because we decided to start a kid's show during the pandemic. And so um, there's a difference. It is 25 degrees warmer, but I, I, didn't, I didn't calculate one fatal thing. I was like, yeah, we can film. We'll bundle up. We'll film the puppets out on the Arctic. I didn't consider the fact that you can't wear really thick gloves and puppeteer. So the puppets were my gloves. I was like walking around with a raccoon and an otter on my hands. And it, and it was such a small sleeve too, you can't wear a coat. So I had to take half my coat off and, um, and do this. So I brought, brought a team, one guy that's been wanting to travel with us, he's never traveled with us. And um, typically if someone's like, I wanna get involved, I'm like, all right, let's bring them on a tough trip and see, see how, you know, you really wanna get involved? All right, let's go. So he's from the British Virgin Isles. And um, so I brought him to the Arctic. And he wasn't really prepared. Like, I told him, hey, it's going to be really cold. Do you have, like, do you have winter gear? And he's like, yeah, I got a hoodie. <laughs> and I just didn't give him the rest of the details. I was like, I got stuff for you. But he was, he was doing the audio while we were doing lines. I mean, we're out there 20 minutes at a time. Our, I'm not kidding. My beard is frosting over. I have footage of me driving in the car when we're done. And I have icicles coming off because you're, you know, hot air. And you try to, like, go like this. It gets wet negative 25, instantly freezes off. We pre-record the audio, then we do the puppets, right? He was running audio from the car, and he's, but he has to have his hand out to 
to cue the phone, and his fingers got frostbite. His fingers are gray still. So I, it was cold. And some of you may have saw, like, some of the pictures. Like, we got really cool pictures for there. But we went there um, this summer. So we have some kids' books. I think there's some copies of them there if you don't have them. Uh, we decided um, about a year and a half ago, hey, this next generation needs to be thinking about missions before they're adults, before they're teenagers, before they get preoccupied. They need to know not just love Jesus, but share Jesus with others. So we started kids' books, and we have a couple of them. Well, then right before COVID, in January of last year, remember, we were, that wasn't really on the radar, I had this idea, we really need a kids' show. So I, I called this uh, company in L.A., and I said, I need you to make some custom puppets for this kids' show. And they gave, they, I told them what we do, and they're like, we're going to give you a crazy price. <laughs> okay. So we, we ordered these puppets, and they came in in the summer, and we started this kids' show not knowing I wouldn't be able to travel. So we just amped this thing up. And so we have a kids' show. If you look up on YouTube, Adventures with Barflung. There's worship videos. There's lessons. There's stories. We have, how many of you remember Gary's represented and I'm represented? I'm an otter, this little tiny otter. We have the guy who's represented by a raccoon. Gary's a rhino. And he, his puppet's so big that I have to get inside him. It's, and it's completely black. I have to wear video goggles to see. And I have to operate him. So again, in the Arctic, Negative 25, no coat on because I'm inside a puppet now. Actually, we got one shot. We have puppet, Puppeteering for video is a lot harder than you think. I've been doing video since I was like 10, and I was not ready. And some of the most difficult shots, there's no appreciation. So we're actually going to put out, this year, we're going to put out a whole far-flung video on the making of because it's ridiculous. And we have one shot. It was almost the most amount of work we've ever done for a two-second shot. It's Kyle the Otter and Gary the Rhino driving a snow machine. And so we have a guy in expedition driving, another guy filming out the window. I'm inside the Gary suit blind like this, so if we fall over, I can't even brace and don't know where I'm going to fall. We've got Kyle the Otter zip-tied to the snow machine in front of me, a guy puppeteering it from the side of the snow machine, and he's throttling with his right hand and dragging his legs. And all the locals drove by. <laughs> they don't get visitors anyways. They don't get visitors even more so during COVID. Now there's a rhino driving a snow machine with an otter. And the second's two seconds shot, two seconds long. So like the, there's another scene. I should have got it ready. The polar bear goes, oh, I love it. And then it cuts to us. And I go, I love it. And I go, vroom. All of that for a two-second joke. So that's what we did up in the Arctic. We did our first service back for the church that we are partnered with there and we, we do ministry with. They haven't had an in-person service for one year. And so we did the first service back, and it was awesome. They were ready. And um, typically, we go to villages in the Arctic. So this is how it's at the North Slope is like this. You have 8,000 people that live in the North Slope of Alaska. 4,000 live in Barrow, which is the hub. And then you have seven neighboring villages, 4,000 people spread out within seven villages. In the past, things are changing so quickly, and the Lord's opening up doors. We've been going there for three years. Last year, they opened up ice roads to the villages, to the villages. But you had to have, like, a track vehicle. So we were going to go minister to these villages because if you fly, it's $500 a ticket to fly 60 miles. So it's super expensive, and we're just like, we just don't want to do that. So we're like, let's take the ice road. Well, we had a... Um, a track vehicle ready for us. We were going to take the ice road, 20 of us. 
And they're like, yeah, the ice isn't frozen enough. I'm like, that's, that's fine. We won't do that. Um, so we had to fly. So we fly into, into Akasuk, Alaska, and we got stuck because pla- prop planes can't fly in negative 50 degrees. So we just were like, okay, that's fine. We did a night service, and then we found out the next morning we're not flying out. Like, that's fine. Let's go door to door and just go pray for people. And someone on the team was like, um, it's negative 50 right now, and the wind chill's negative 70. And I was like, that's fine. They got to let us in, I guess. <laughs> so I just went door to door. Hi. They don't get any visitors. And they're like looking at me I'm like, hey, do you need prayer? And they're like, no, but come in. I'm like, okay. And we come in. How you doing? They're making us coffee. And then those walls come down. We just prayed over them. And we said, hey, we're doing another service tonight. And between the two services, I think 80% of the whole village came out. And we saw all these. I've talked about it before. We saw healings and all this crazy stuff happen. And so we couldn't do that this time. Uh, you know, we really want to be careful. When you're going that remote of a place, you really, we want to spread Christ, not spread COVID. You know, so uh, we're like, you know what, let's wait. But this is what the cool thing is. They've perfected the ice road. I drove an SUV on it. We went about 15 miles out on it, just like a gravel road. And now we can access these villages. So we can go there, pack our lunch. Tomorrow, or, uh, next year, we can pack our lunch, drive two hours, go to the village, do all the outreach, and drive back late in the night and be back in our hub. And it's just going to change everything. And more and more villages are getting ice roads. So the Lord is opening up this way. So if that appeals to you, um, come next year. Uh, every time I've seen the Northern Lights, it's a spiritual experience. It's just so surreal. And I was just so happy. To, you know, it's rare to see them. We, and we filmed that over two different nights, and the Lord just put on a big show, and it was amazing. And so I, I want to encourage you, if you want to go on a trip with us, um, there's lots of adventure. Um, we meet lots of strangers. I'm, I'm, the team probably shakes their head every time I start walking up to a stranger because you know, it's just always an open door to something crazy. Either we can help them or they just give us this amazing experience. We met this dog sled expedition guy a few years ago, and he, you know, just told us this quick story. Yeah, I've been to the North Pole, traveled a thousand miles by dog sled. And so for three years, people have been asking me questions about it. I'm like, I don't know. That's all he said. So I went and found him on this trip last week. I was like, I got some questions for you. Okay. And uh, I was like, you said you went to the North Pole by dog sled. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, how many days? 56 days up. Negative 70 degrees on some days. A team of eight. Only six made it up. They didn't die, but one broke their ribs. And one of them, their feet froze. I don't know if that means froze off, froze. But they they had to be rescued. They're jumping over ice chasms. He's like, yeah, there's a book on it. So I immediately ordered the book. If any of you want to... Uh, by it's called uh, North to the Pole, and um, he said that um, National Geographic sponsored the expedition, and so it's just this crazy thing. And then there's there's a story, there's a movie called Big Miracle about this whale that gets stuck in the ice. Any of you see that Big Miracle? So he's like, yeah, I was the marine biologist in that story. <laughs> so this guy's just like every question I ask, I have five more. But I was just like, thank you so much for taking the time. He's like, do you guys want to go out on the dog sled? Yeah. So so fast forward to like two days later, uh, our friend from the, from the British Virgin Islands is mushing a dog sled a mile out on the ocean. <laughs> we ran into one of the whaling crews because, you know, they hunt whale. And they're like, yeah, there was a 
polar bear out there a couple days or a couple hours ago. But there, so now, you know, you just find yourself, you're mushing a dog sled a mile on water, on ice, but you know, a mile out on the ocean. And it was just this awesome, great experience that we got to experience because we took, really, it comes down to, we took the time to, to say hi to someone, show interest in them, show love with them, pray for them, and um, just be nice to others. If you take anything away from this, say, be nice to people, you know? Um, and so... Take every opportunity you can. Open doors are all around you. It's just which ones you want to take. There's people in Mansfield that need help. There's people that need the love of God. Even if, even if you don't even get to share that part, just be overly uh, out of your way, selfless, to show the love of God. And they'll start asking you questions. You know, it's really not that hard. Um, this summer, so I, th- I told you about trips we've done. We've been working on this for a year. This summer, we're going back to the Arctic, but we're going to go 300 miles south to the uh, Kobuk area. Um, there's, so what we're going to do is fly from Chattanooga to Atlanta, Atlanta to Seattle, Seattle to Anchorage, Anchorage to Kotzebue, do a service in Kotzebue, fly a prop plane to the village of Kobuk along the Kobuk River, do a service there at night. I say night, but the sun doesn't go down. Camp out in our tent that night, Wake up the next morning, and then the trip starts. We, we inflate our inflatable kayaks, and we float 170 miles to five villages. And so we've been doing all the prep work. We're going to be hunting and fishing. We have a team that all bring different skill sets. And I am willing to fire a rifle. I have been a part of a, a team to hunt caribou. I drove a snow machine, and then I helped corral it. Um, I don't think I'm that person to take the shot. I'm willing to do it, but I think I'm going to scare it off. We're going to be doing that. Camping, I've never camped out for 12 days where the sun didn't go down. You know, when, like, when we, after we have a long, exhausting day, we're going to lay in our tent and lay down, and it's going to be like noon. <laughs> and so... Um, but it's going to be a beautiful trip, and these, these villages don't really get visitors. Now, we could fly, but again, it's probably going to be 10 of us, $500 per village we fly to. Um, so that's five villages, $500 a piece um, for 10 people. That's like five grand. So five villages makes 25000 We did it. So 25000 or... We buy some really nice rafts that we'll use every year. We'll just float. I want you to be creative. Some of you can go. Some of you can support. I've got a guy that he's like, hey, maybe I'll go on one of these trips. But he, he knows that on a lot of our trips, we don't eat meals. Like, we're, like, traveling, and you can't eat the food. So a lot of some of our trips, like, nine of our meals are snacks. And protein's important, so we eat a lot of beef jerky. So he's like, I'm going to serve you guys by smoking and making beef jerky for your crew on every trip. So, like, he did that on this trip, and we were just eating spicy beef jerky the whole time. And that's a way of serving missions. And so, uh, you know, creativity is strategy. That's what creativity is. It's coming up with a strategy that nobody's come up with before. And so God may be birthing things in you in ways that you can affect missions, whether it's fundraising or, or prayer or just coming up with clever ways to make a difference. Don't be afraid to fail. If you're afraid to fail, then don't be creative. Because you're going, you're going, not every idea is going to work. But just go for it. Just burn the ships and go. 
that's what's coming up this summer. So be in prayer for us uh, because uh, there are some risks. Like we have a sat phone, and uh, but like the water is like 35 degrees. It's coming from the mountains. So like all of us have to have a fire making kit. If somebody does flip over, we have to get them dry very quickly. So there are some risks. But be in prayer for us that the Lord not, I would say this, be in prayer that the Lord does exactly what he wants to do. And then next on the list, prayer for safety. And I really do mean that. We pray, Lord, have your way first and foremost. We never know at the end of a trip. We know God calls us on trips, and we don't know if we're called back. Because you think of your heroes in the Bible. Jesus, how's his ending? John the Baptist, how'd that go? All the disciples, right? Not all of them have a great retirement plan on a golf course. And they're in the Lord's will, okay? So he may call you to a mountaintop. He may not call you down. So be in prayer that the Lord's will will be done. God is just doing so much. In the middle of a pandemic, we brought on two full-time employees. So for the last 11 years, I'm the only full-time employee. Marion's been part-time, and then we've had uh, volunteers, 75 volunteers. And then during the middle of a pandemic, two of our volunteers said, you know what? I'm going to make the jump. He left his church of 10 years and said, oh, I'm going to fundraise my entire salary because I'm, I'm, I'm bought in. Someone else is a music producer. He said, you know what? I'm in. I'll fundraise my entire salary. So now we have this momentum with three of us full-time. And we're all right now preaching in different churches today, um, at just spreading the, at spreading the news of what we're doing. A couple weeks ago, we did a youth conference. We raised $10,000 for water in a church in Africa. Kids did this. Youth stood up and decided to do this. Um, next year is our Next Together project. How many of you know like our Amazon album and documentary? It's a thing we do every four years. Well, our next one is already here. And um, um, a year from this month, 70 of us from around the country will be in Japan recording in what they call the suicide forest. You may have heard of it. There's a forest that all of them, everybody goes there to kill themselves. And we're going to record a worship album in the middle of it. It's so dense that we have to tie ropes to keep our path or you'll get lost. It's at the, the base of Mount Fuji. And so we're going to go in there and we're going to declare life in the middle of the suicide forest. And the whole album is about restoration and reclaiming land. The other place we're going to go, there's a small traditional town where revival broke out in the 1700s. And the government got scared and they martyred 300 Christians. But we're going to go there and reclaim. And then the other place we're going to go, you may have heard of Fukushima. Uh, when the hurricane or when the tsunami hit in 2011 in Japan, you remember that? There was a town with a nuclear tower called Fukushima. Huge city. Uh, but then it became radioactive. Everybody moved out. They cleared the radiation out, but everybody's afraid to move back. It's just an apocalyptic town. We're going to set up in the streets that are just overgrown. And we're going to re reclaim life. And um, it's just going to be a really powerful thing. We're bringing missionaries in from around the world. So I'm going to be fundraising all year because we pay for our missionaries to come be a part of this and connect with other missionaries and pour into their lives. We're going to be doing house churches. Um, house churches are big in Japan. So even though it's our Together Project and there's going to be 70 of us on two of the nights, all of our team's going to split up among the whole island. Our, we're going to be stationed right in the middle of um, Japan. And we can travel among the whole island within three hours. So that night, we're going to split up all these house churches, advertise that we're coming. And then at 7 o'clock, all of us are going to sing in different houses at the same time and then preach the gospel throughout the whole country. And we're doing revival 